Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. Today, we're bringing you a devotion that was brought to us at our international headquarters in Boone. And from time to time, we like to share devotions because, as you know, we meet every morning uh, for devotions and prayer uh, with the entire staff. And so for those that don't get to hear it, we love sharing devotions from time to time. And today is a very special guest. It is one of our podcast team members, Melissa Strickland. She serves as the Senior Director of Communications, and she recently returned from Ukraine serving on a disaster assistance response team. And if you've already heard it, I encourage you to listen again, because I know for me, I've gotten something out of it each and every time I listen. Melissa, she introduces us to several patients that she was able to meet and also just share what she saw on the ground, the ways that our team is ministering, serving in Jesus' name. I know that I just walked away with both heartache for the situation and the gravity that's happening, but also hope, remembering our hope that we have in Jesus and the reason why our teams have gone to the ends of the earth to share hope in this time of darkness. Well, I have five pages of notes because I'm not very good at this. I am a writer and not a speaker. And there is a reason that I don't usually present in devotions, but um, Michelle has prayed for me and um, Edgar has prayed for me and I am going to do my best and you are all going to smile and nod (laughs) and pretend that it is worth the time that you're spending listening to it. So we all know that uh, our name, Samaritan's Purse, comes from the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And in communications, uh, it makes sense that we often talk about how we go and help those on the side of the road. We help those who have fallen into the ditches of life. So to begin this morning, um, just so you know, I I was asked to come here and and speak to you today because um, I've just returned from Ukraine where I was very privileged uh, to be with our disaster assistance response team on the ground. And I was asked to give all of you an update from my perspective of what that was like. And so uh, to begin with, um, as a writer, I um, sat in the corner of our outpatient clinic tent at the Lviv train station one day with my laptop open and uh, just observed and wrote. And um, so to begin with, I thought maybe I'd read what I wrote, a, a little bit of what I wrote that day. It's midday at the train station in the heart of Lviv and patients are pouring into our outpatient clinic The small tent at the bottom of the arrival platform is crowded with displaced people suffering from a variety of illnesses and injuries. They've come from devastated areas of eastern Ukraine, fleeing the terror of bombardment with little more than the clothes on their backs. They left everything else behind, including their husbands, fathers, and older sons. Some of them arrive with sprains, fractures, and wounds sustained when their hometowns were shelled before they set off on their great escape. Others come with fevers, stomach upset, infections, panic attacks, and a host of other ailments. One of those in front of me is Ivan, a 16-year-old boy from Sumy a now devastated town on the border with Russia. 
His hands tremble as he tells the nurse that it was the middle of the night when the shelling began. The walls of the home that he shares with just his parents began to shake, and the little family hustled to the center and dropped to their knees. In that moment, he says, my mother said to me that I had to leave. She could not see her son die. His father is a doctor and his mother is a nurse. They told me that they had to stay to help our people. But no matter what happened to them, they wanted me safe. They love me and I am their future. He has not had any contact with them since he hugged them goodbye. He's very dehydrated with a slight fever. He had been standing on a crowded train car for 13 hours as they slowly rolled through dangerous conflict areas. I felt so sick, he said. I tried to close my eyes to rest, but there was no rest for me. There is no rest for any of us. On the other side of the tent sits Angelica, whose lower left leg is swollen and deeply bruised. When the doctor presses on her knee, she growls in pain. She fell while running for her life during an intense attack in her town, and now she has damaged her knee terribly, an injury that can only be helped with surgery. Surgery will have to wait, though, because she's terrified to stay in Ukraine a minute longer than necessary. She's sure the bombs are now following her. For now, the doctor has done his best to alleviate the excruciating pain until she can make it to the safety of her final destination, wherever that may be. And now, a 70-year-old woman has collapsed on the platform. Our doctor enlists help in getting her down the long flight of stairs to the clinic. Her name is Valentina. She's been traveling 30 hours with her daughter and four-month-old grandchild. Through her fatigue and nausea, she musters a delicate smile as she explains that she recently had a heart attack and stroke. Her daughter Larissa recounts their harrowing journey. There were people riding on top of me during the trip, she says. There was no air. They had waited as long as they could to escape, but when the shelling came just a few blocks from their home, they were left with no choice. My only focus has been to get my mother to safety, she says in a voice of graveled fatigue. When she collapsed, I didn't know what I would do. God sent you in that moment to us. A mom just came in with an 11-day-old baby, a teeny, tiny, precious little thing. The child isn't moving or crying. Our team warms them up and gets mom some nourishment from one of the tents in front of the train station serving food to the refugees. The baby has started moving, but it's still just staring ahead with no expression and no noise. Surreal and so very tragic. As I mentioned, I was very nervous about speaking in front of you today, even though you're all my family and friends. So when I 
had my morning devotion yesterday. I prayed, Lord, when I see what my scripture reading is today, um, let it be that thing that just inspires. Let it be that thing, let it be that, that scripture that, that is going to help me to know what to talk about. Um, and then I opened, <laughs> and this was my very familiar reading from Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And I read that and I thought, the Christmas story? <laughs> really? What, what am I supposed to do with that, Lord? That's not exactly the inspiration that I thought I was going to get. But as I prayed and I thought about it more, it, it occurred to me. That was it. God gave us Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave us Jesus. And then I remembered another encounter I had at the emergency field hospital. I was sitting in the lab with some of our staff and this amazing doctor walked in tears streaming down her face, one of our first-time DART members, and she was crying, I can't give them enough. I can't give them enough. I'm, I'm bandaging their wounds. I'm giving them medicines, but I can't give them enough. I can't cure the cancer that they've been delayed in getting treatment for. I can't reunite their families. I can't erase the emotional scars. I can't give them enough. And then, and I'm going to brag on her, Regina Randolph, one of our longtime DART nurses, stood up, embraced that doctor, and said, you're giving them everything. You're giving them Jesus. You're giving them Jesus. One evening, when I was standing in our bomb shelter, uh, a tunnel underneath the train station tracks during an air raid, one of our precious translators said to me, Melissa, when the people go into the tent, they have one face. And when they come out of the tent, they have another face. That change of face, not just at the train station, but in every place we're working is because the team is giving them Jesus. They can't cure all the hardships or physically restore everything that has been lost, but they are giving them Jesus. They are providing them with the best quality care, and I do believe that our medical team is the best in the world. They are giving them hygiene kits and blankets and other things they desperately need, but they can't give them enough on their own. More than anything in the world, what the Ukrainian people need 
is Jesus. He's what we all need. Jesus is the only light in that darkness. Jesus is the only hope in that desperation. Jesus is the only source of peace in that place of horrible conflict. And that's what, who the team is giving them. As they listen to their tearful stories, as they tenderly mend their wounds, as they provide a warm place full of clean air to breathe, as they share the hope of the gospel, our team is giving them Jesus. And I think that's the only update I can give you that makes any difference at all. Thanks for listening and let's go to prayer. I love how Melissa reminds us of both the simplicity and the magnitude of the gospel. By giving them Jesus, as she said, we're giving them everything. And that's true. The gospel changes everything. And it truly gives hope in dark times. And I love the, the, how Melissa talked about the translator, Tanya, how she said, patients come in with one face and they leave with another. Lives are truly being changed for eternity. The pain and the trauma, they can't be taken away, but they can be given hope in Jesus in this time of darkness. I love Psalm 16, 5 that says, You, Lord, are all that I have, and you give me all that I need. My future is in your hands. And Corey Ten Boone speaks to that verse saying, You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And this is what we're witnessing being lived out by both the Ukrainian church, our partners that we're working with, but also the staff of Samaritan's Purse. In a time like this, when Jesus is all they have, the only hope that they're able to offer people, they're showing the love of Jesus in this crisis. So I hope you're encouraged today and also encouraged to pray more specifically for our team on the ground and our church partners as they're sharing hope in this dark time. 